Hello and welcome back to the Everything Hoops podcast episode 6. So on this episode we're going to talk about teams like the Hawks, Bulls, Lakers, Kings, and the Phoenix Suns since Kevin Durant has been playing. Then to end the show I'm going to start my new series called Young Bucks That Don't Suck. Basically young players that I am keeping my eye out that are underrated, under the radar, that I think are going to be really good good so i hope you enjoy this episode okay so first we're going to talk about the bulls hawks game because this was very important for the play-in standings trey young didn't even play deandre hunter has been injured for a little bit and the hawks beat the bulls 123 to 105 They blew out the Bulls without Trey Young. Bogdan Bogdanovich led the way with 26 points. Jalen Johnson off the bench had 16 points for the Bulls. Zach Levine had 26 on not the greatest efficiency. DeMar DeRozan didn't have a great game. He only had 21. But to start, I'm going to talk about the Chicago Bulls. Here comes White again to Zach Levine. Now, when I talk about the Bulls' defense, I constantly talk about effort, and sometimes it's not there. Now, in this game, it just wasn't there. The Hawks got 70 paint points, which is just too much, especially for a team that, if you stop them in the paint, I mean, obviously, they got mid-range scores, they got a lot of talent, but what I mean is they don't take threes. They don't shoot a lot of threes. So if you stop them in a in the paint, you got a better chance at winning the game, but it starts with Vooch. He had a really bad game defensively, even to his standards. He wasn't trying to block anything at the paint. His pick and roll defense was bad, which I always worry about because I don't think he's mobile enough to play two on the pick and roll. So our defensive scheme, we have Vooch first stop the ball handler in the pick and roll while the guard chases mainly Alex Caruso, Beverly, Zach Levine, whoever and then Vooch has to recover to the roll man. There's going to be a low man defender there but Vooch basically has to play two on one and then recover to the roll man. I just don't think he's mobile enough to do that. That's why I always want them to hedge pick and rolls. So if we verse the Hawks in the play-in This was without Trey Young, so I'm worried that Vooch is going to struggle staying in front of Trey Young on those pick and rolls. I feel like Trey Young can get some good pull-up jumpers, some floaters, maybe he'll get in a couple lobs. That concerns me, but this game, the Hawks got all the 50-50 plays. And they took advantage of those. They also took advantage of our bad decisions. I remember in the fourth quarter, Zach Levine literally threw it right to Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson got an easy dunk. And then once again in the fourth quarter, another crucial turnover. Zach literally just didn't pick up the ball. I'm not even joking. The ball was right in front of him. And he just let Jalen Johnson get it. And Jalen Johnson got another transition layup. So another problem with the Bulls that game was obviously our offense is reliant on Zach and DeMar. Vooch got it going a little bit. 
but in the fourth quarter, it's Zach and DeMar, and that's who we run our offense through, and they just didn't show up in the fourth quarter, which is why I want Billy to be more creative with his offense. I only saw really one clever off-ball set, and that was off an ATO. He ran a screen-the-screener for Zach, which basically he set a back pick and then immediately received a down screen. I really just don't see that. It's more pick and rolls and then the occasional Vooch post-up. And then our starting lineup doesn't have enough three-point shooting because we're starting Bev and Caruso. I love Bev. And first off, having Bev and Caruso as your starting lineup, that's great perimeter defenders. That's good for our defense. But I think Patrick Williams should start because he gives us more size defensively. 6'8". He can shoot threes. Patrick Williams, I think, has been killing it. He's also really good defensively. And I think he deserves a starting spot. But I'm just worried that we're not going to be able to hit our open threes because that's a really big reason why we lost this. This game we had a lot of open threes we couldn't hit any of them Atlanta's defense isn't that good it's not good at all they're giving a lot of wide open shots we just couldn't convert so I'm really worried about our offense and our defensive scheme the only thing that's good for us is in the play-in the teams that are in it don't hit threes the Hawks don't take threes so that makes me feel better but I'm still worried so now moving on to the Atlanta Hawks Trey Young Picked up by Derek White. Step back three, five nothing. Of course, they won this game. And obviously, with no Trey Young, the role players had to step up, and they did. I think the bench, all the role players have been so important. I wanted to talk about Jalen Johnson because this dude is a beast. I want to talk about a couple of plays. He did a lot in transition, but he also had some plays in the half court where he attacked mismatches. He scored on J- on Kobe White in the post and absolutely dunked it. It was pretty cool. And then he had a little post move on Zach Levine. It was a little half spin hook shot. And then defensively, he was everywhere. He's the reason why we had a couple of possessions in transition that we didn't score on he chased down blocked Kobe White on one and then another one in transition against Kobe White he altered it into a miss and he got three steals this game he was everywhere defensively and he's also a good on the ball defender too so I think that the Hawks need more on-ball defense like this because they struggle to stay in front of the ball. I think DeJounte Murray in that aspect is overrated defensively. I don't think he's a good on-ball defender. I think Jalen Johnson with his size, his length, his athleticism, I think he can be the best on-ball defender on this team, which they need. I think Jalen Johnson would help them more than John Collins. But anyways, so the Hawks have looked better offensively. Getting Sadiq Bey was big, but Quinn Snyder, he has done a great job because they're running more plays. They run UCLA screens. They run what I like double drags they run sometimes ghost screens out of those drags they sometimes run double drag empty which means no one's in the corner so when the roll man rolls there's no backside defender most of the time and they get a lob off that but also what I did not see Nate McMillan do is run Spain pick and roll and of course I didn't talk about this with the Bulls I should have 
We don't know how to guard Spain pick and roll. It's it's pathetic. But anyways, he's being more creative with his sets. The only thing that hasn't translated is like I said before, they don't take threes. Quinn Snyder, when he was the coach of the Jazz, was known for getting his guys wide open looks from three. They were taking like 40, 35, like somewhere around there, threes per game. But they still don't take threes, which was a problem when Nate McMillan was the coach. It's still the problem right now. I think it has to do with roster construction because most of their best three-point shooters, A.J. Griffin, Sadiq Bey, they're on the bench because they're not the best defenders. They can't contribute in that way. But I think if Quinn Snyder was the coach from the beginning of the season, the Hawks would have been a top six seed, which is why I got faith of them going into this play-in. I think they're going to win out. I don't think they're going to beat the Bucks or the Celtics. That's ridiculous. But I think they've built momentum and next year, being more used to Quinn Snyder's system offensively, I think if you start Jalen Johnson, that's the on-ball defender you need. I think if you start Oneka Kanwu and trade Clint Capella for 3 and D wings, I think you can improve defensively and just hopefully they shoot more threes. But I like what the Hawks have been doing post Nate McMillan. Next, we are going to talk about the Sacramento Kings. Five seconds left. from De'Aaron Fox. Of course, they broke their uh, streak of not making it to the playoffs for 16 consecutive years, which is honestly longer than I've been watching basketball, but now they got a top three seed. They've been killing it still. They still have one of the best offenses in the league in terms of points, offensive rating, offensive efficiency. They hit Basically the most threes, them and the Warriors. So the Kings are looking really good coming into the playoffs. They're also great in transition. De'Aaron Fox is still killing it. But what I just want to see more is if that jumper from three isn't falling, don't settle. Keep attacking the basket because he's been struggling with the three all year. He started off really hot. I think he was around 37% at one point, but it hasn't been that consistent. But talking about their offense, the ball movement's great. With Sabonis, of course, he does an incredible job of hitting cutters that's what he does so well when he's in the high post and someone may overplay let's say Kevin Herter for example they know just backdoor they run some good plays pin downs DHOs Mike Brown is creative with their offense and their three-point shooting really does bother teams and makes them so tough to guard because that's today's NBA it's about pace base and the kings do that they're extremely fast great in transition they move the ball they take a lot of threes and make a lot of threes so having that modern day offense has been so critical in them being this good because defensively it's been really bad this year. I mean, personnel has a lot to do with it, of course. They don't have a real lockdown perimeter defender. De'Aaron is good, but Keegan Murray's not there yet. Kevin Herter isn't great. Harrison Barnes has lost a step, and their best 
defender on the ball is Davion Mitchell and he plays on the bench he's good he can score a little bit and of course with Sabonis with the lack of rim protection the fact that he is immobile so if they verse a team like the Suns for example in the playoffs he's going to have struggles if Devin Booker and Kevin Durant attack him in the pick and roll. I mean, I saw the Mavericks game a lot of times in the pick and roll. He struggled to guard Kyrie. I mean, that's just great shot making, but they don't have really someone that can make it difficult if they verse a Devin Booker, a Kevin Durant, maybe a Kawhi Leonard against the Clippers, but Paul George is probably not going to play in a first round series, so I don't think they have to worry about the Clippers if they verse them. Anyways, when I look at the Kings defense, it's just not on the ball type of things. It's not just personnel things. It's just not that. It's it's of course that has to do with it not having a rim protector too. But I also look at the little things like for example, they gave up 142 points in a loss against the Spurs in overtime and in that game they were getting beat back door easily they weren't communicating they were giving up open threes so the point is they gave up 142 against the Spurs not because the Spurs are talented that's the reason why their offense hasn't been good but Greg Popovich coaches this team well so they execute well offensively they got good cutting good ball movement but the Kings struggled to rotate, struggled to communicate. I remember literally in the first quarter, Kevin Herter got beat back door on Malachi Branham. And the next possession, Keegan Murray got beat back door against Julian Champagny. So I think it has to do with the little things as well. Their defense has been a little better the last two games. They had a great performance against the Pelicans. Brandon Ingram in the first quarter dropped 14 points, so he kind of killed them to start, but he finished the game with 22 points, so only eight more points, and he turned the ball over seven times. And what happened was a little better effort They were more physical with him in sending double teams on his ISOs, on his post-ups, on his pick and roll. So they made it harder for him. The Mavs game, I don't think the defense was terrible. It's just once again, when you verse those shot creators like Kyrie Irving, I mean, he was hitting some ridiculous shots. One time he rejected a screen and then hit a step back jumper over Alex Len. He had a couple threes in transition and one was completely ridiculous. It was a catch and shoot three in the corner, but he rainbowed it so he wouldn't get blocked by De'Aaron and hit nothing but net. So once again, if they verse the Suns, I really don't like that matchup for them. But anyways, another thing that has helped is the play of Alex Len because this team has struggled when it comes to the backup center. And honestly, it's kind of sad that Alex Len is the guy that's been playing good because he's usually not that good but he's been good the last couple of games he's had a plus minus of it's been really good plus 10 in the game against the Mavericks and then when they versed the Pelicans Alex Len had a plus minus of plus 15 so he's been playing really good he's been protecting the rim well, deterring shots. He's been setting good screens and the rebounding has been really good. In the game against the Mavericks, he had 
he had seven offensive rebounds. I mean, it's against the Mavericks, so take that with a grain of salt. But anyways, I think if they just do the little things defensively, then when they verse a team like maybe the Grizzlies that don't have that shot creator, if they just communicate well, do all the little things defensively, if their team defense is good, I think they can win that type of series. But once again, that series against the Suns, I don't think it's a good matchup. I don't think they would win that series. So now I'm going to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. Vanderbilt's got his birthday tomorrow. All the way under to AD. So AD in very deep. He puts it up. It's good. And one. The Lakers have looked better since they made all their moves at the trade deadline because this roster just fits better better. I mean, Austin Reeves now has more opportunities as a ball handler. D'Angelo Russell once again gives them another element they didn't have. Malik Beasley, even though he's inconsistent, the fit is there. But that's my first problem with the Lakers. It's inconsistency from role players. Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, I don't know what you're going to get out of him, even though he's a very talented player. He's good. Jared Vanderbilt, he plays hard, but I just see so many times where he's a liability offensively. Sure, he can cut, and yes, he can occasionally hit a catch-and-shoot three from the corner, but other than that, he's really basically a liability offensively, and that really is going to hurt the Lakers in the playoffs. I don't think Dennis Schroeder is a good backup point guard either. Sometimes he just makes really bad decisions and over dribbles. Like he may take a bad mid-range pull-up and brick it, which can hurt their offense. Or he makes a bad decision and either doesn't find AD in the post. Or he just throws a completely idiotic pass that ends up being a turnover. Ruri Hachimura... I like him, but consistency has been an issue. He has had a couple good games in the last week. He's a good scorer. He's pretty strong, solid finisher. He's pretty good. Wenyan Gabriel, I just don't think he's a backup center. He's too small. He can't hit threes. He really can't defend bigger players so I'm interested if they verse the Grizzlies in the first round the Kings if he ever gets matched up with Sabonis Jaron Jackson maybe if Steven Adams comes back but honestly that's probably not gonna happen I don't know but their bent their their role players concern me a little bit and I think their role players need to play good if they're going to have any long-term success of course AD's been killer LeBron had 33 against the Clippers 37 in the overtime loss uh, sorry overtime win against the Jazz but moving on to their defense which has been good since the all the accusations but in my opinion I don't like their defensive scheme because I think they give up too many wide open threes because they always over help which is going to be a big problem in the playoffs especially for the Lakers who do not take threes so if a team scores 17 it's most likely the Lakers are only going to hit nine they don't really create a lot of threes they also don't guard the three that's not a good recipe at all but offensively their offense in the half court has looked better, executing more plays, 
running double drags, running pin downs for AD. The offense has looked better. I definitely think that the Lakers have a chance, but at the same time, I really don't think they're going to pull off anything special in the playoffs, or maybe they lose in the play-in. Probably not. They're going to win out in the play-in, in my opinion. But I think the Lakers have looked better. I just... Also, Darvin Ham. I just mentioned the defensive scheme, lack of adjustments, lineups aren't the best. I think for a rookie head coach, he has done a fine job. So maybe you give him one more year, but I don't think he's a good enough coach to win you a championship. And I think if they verse like the Kings, I feel like Mike Brown could outcoach him. Now, moving on to the final team I will talk about, and that's the Phoenix Suns. Durant working on the rookie Williams, that one-legged step back. And of course, with Kevin Durant, they've looked absolutely dominant. I got really high hopes. Some things people are worried about is one, they haven't played enough games together, which team chemistry is important, but I think great players figure it out. I think with Chris Paul, how great his IQ is, he's one of the smartest players in the NBA. He's one of the smartest players to ever play this game. I think with Devin Booker, with how great of a player he is, I think with Kevin Durant being a champion, I think that since they got a veteran roster, I think since they got a veteran coach, I think they'll be fine in that aspect. A problem I personally have is DeAndre Aiden. I think he needs to perform in the playoffs. Sometimes we see during the regular season and last year against the Mavericks in the playoffs, he gets disengaged whenever he doesn't have the ball, which means he won't play defense. He won't rebound. He won't do the little things that they need him to do as their starting center, as their number one pick, as their third scorer, because obviously that's not what Chris Paul does does anymore speaking about Chris Paul people have a problem with the fact that he doesn't attack the basket that much that he doesn't score he doesn't have that scoring gravity that he usually has had over the last couple of years they got Kevin Durant and Devin Booker two of the best shot creators in the league I think that they'll be perfectly fine if Chris Paul is passive for me he just needs to continue to make the right decisions which he will continue to and and hit his catch and shoot threes if teams double off Devin Booker and Kevin Durant that that has to do with everyone everyone has to make their timely threes whoever it is Josh Kogi, Torrey Craig that one concerns me if Terrence Ross is off the bench he can be inconsistent TJ Warren all those guys those guys need to step up for this Suns team defensively obviously it sucks losing Mikel Bridges Cam Johnson, your two best perimeter defenders. But I think with their offense, I think that since everyone knows what to do defensively, they know how to defend as a team, communicate, help each other out. I think they'll be fine there. They just can't let teams get mismatches against them because that was a big problem when they versed the Mavericks. Luka just got whatever he wanted. He attacked any matchup. They he wanted, and the Suns just made it too easy for him. Do I consider the Suns contenders this year? Yes, I do. Hopefully they don't choke like how they did against the Mavericks last year, but 
I think in the playoffs, since the game slows down, when you can't rely on your plays as much, when you got to rely on someone to get a bucket, the Suns got Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. So I feel like in a playoff type situation, the Suns have exactly what it takes to succeed. The question for me is DeAndre Aiden, he needs to play good. Chris Paul, he needs to initiate the offense, make plays for his teammates, get Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, easy jump shots, and they should be good offensively. Defensively, if I'm looking at matchups that they should be worried about, maybe the Nuggets if they verse them in the second round. Of course, the Warriors are always tough to match up with because of Stephen Curry and how ridiculous he is and how he just makes it makes the game so much easier for all of his teammates. But I consider the Suns contenders. I think they're going to get out of the West. And if I'm wrong, then I'll admit it. So now moving on to the new series, Young Bucks That Don't Suck. So basically, I'm going to be talking about young players that I like in the league. And the first one, I talked about him a little bit. Jalen Johnson from the Atlanta Hawks. Trying to chase down Johnson and Levine with the foul. He's a beast. He killed the Bulls both defensively, offensively. And he wasn't getting minutes when Nate McMillan was the head coach. Now Quinn Snyder is giving him minutes. And he's a really big reason why the Atlanta Hawks bench has been really good post-trade deadline. Obviously getting Sadiq Bey is big. He's been stirring the last couple since DeAndre Hunter is out. But Jalen Johnson, his energy that he brings off the bench has been so big for this team. So for those who do not know who Jalen Johnson is, he's a six foot nine power forward from Duke. He's currently 21 years old. And you may look at his stats and be like, he only averages five points. Once again, he wasn't playing when Nate McMillan was a coach. And it's all potential. If Quinn Snyder gives him a chance at the starting lineup, I think he can contribute really well for this team, both offensively and defensively. Offensively, he needs to develop a little more specifically his jump shot. And I want to see if the shot creating things that he showed in the Bulls game, attacking mismatches, I want to see if that continues to progress. But the jumper is what I'm most concerned about. Right now, defensively, he has it all being 6'8", athletic. He can move his feet extremely well, has the length. The problem is sometimes off the ball, he can fall asleep a little, maybe miss a rotation. But besides that, for 21-year-olds, he is really good defensively. Now, moving on, it's funny. This is another Atlanta Hawk. It's their young center, back up to Clint Capella, Oneka Kanwu. Here is Bogdanovich, back to Kanwu, lays it in. He is also really good. Another really athletic big. His mobility for a center really impresses me. He's a great rim roller. He finishes around the rim well. He has a mid-range game, 
And what's funny is Oneka Okonmu has hit three three-pointers in his career. Two of them, I'm pretty sure, have been this season. Quinn Snyder has run two ATOs for Oneka Okonmu to get a three. And he hit both threes. He did it against the Bulls the other day. So will he develop a three-pointer? I do not know. But defensively, once again, he can switch onto guards decently that's not a strong suit he can hedge pretty well and then recover to the roll man he's a great rim protector he blocks shots extremely well that's what impresses me the most and I do think he's going to be a better Clint Capella with an offensive game and more athletic what I don't understand about the Hawks is why do you have two starting centers in today's NBA? We're in 2023. What's the value of having that? So wouldn't you just want to give Oneka Okonwu the starting center minutes and then have Clint Capella traded for 3 and D wings, which you need? I don't know, but I just think that Oneka Okonwu should start. I believe in him. Anyways, moving on, next guy and final guy is Markel Fultz. Body to the offensive glass. That is available. That monster by Markel. Point guard of the Orlando Magic. And I don't understand if you do not like Markel Fultz, everything he's gone through in his career with all of the injuries and his game is extremely fun to watch great playmaker he's smooth makes good decisions good in the pick and roll has a nice mid-range game I want to see him continue to take more threes he's also a really good finisher he has great touch he can put it high off the glass he's really good there and he's a solid defensive point guard and I'm happy that he's been having a good year in the Orlando Magic we're almost a playing team this year it's just Markel Fold missed so many time to start the season so they were in a bad spot to start the season but then when Markel Fultz got healthy they started to win more games so it is a possibility the Magic could make a playing game next year especially with probably two lottery picks unless that Bulls pick gets in the top four which I don't see happening but yeah Orlando's got something special and Markel Fultz may be an all-star so I hope you enjoyed the sixth episode of the Everything Hoops podcast here on KRNU2 we talked We talked about, obviously, important teams in the West. We talked about the Hawks-Bulls matchup that the Hawks blew out the Bulls. And the regular season ends on Sunday. Then it's the play-in. I hope you're ready for that, and I hope you have a good day.